chapter one of the birth of tragedy by friedrich nietzsche this librivox recording is in the public domain chapter one and forward to richard wagner in order to keep at a distance all the possible scruples excitements and misunderstandings to which the thoughts gathered in this essay will give occasion considering the peculiar character of our aesthetic publicity and to be able also to write the introductory remarks with the same contemplative delight the impress of which as the petrifaction of good and elevating hours it bears on every page i form a conception of the moment when you my highly honoured friend will receive this essay how you say after an evening walk in the winter snow will behold the unbound prometheus on the title-page read my name and be forthwith convinced that whatever this essay may contain the author has something earnest and impressive to say and moreover that in all his meditations he communed with you as with one present and could thus write only what befitted your presence you will thus remember that it was at the same time as your magnificent dissertation on beethoven originated viz amidst the horrors and sublimities of the war which had just then broken out that i collected myself for these thoughts but those persons would err to whom this collection suggests no more perhaps than the antithesis of patriotic excitement and aesthetic revelry of gallant earnestness and sportive delight upon a real perusal of this essay such readers will rather to their surprise discover how earnest is the german problem we have to deal with which we properly place as a vortex and turning-point in the very midst of german hopes perhaps however this same class of readers will be shocked at seeing an aesthetic problem taken so seriously especially if they can recognize in art no more than a merry diversion a readily dispensable court jester to the earnestness of existence as if no one were aware of the real meaning of this confrontation with the earnestness of existence these earnest ones may be informed that i am convinced that art is the highest task and the properly metaphysical activity of this life as it is understood by the man to whom as my sublime protagonist on this path i would now dedicate this essay basel end of the year eighteen seventy one the birth of tragedy one we shall have gained much for the science of aesthetics when once we have perceived not only by logical inference but by the immediate certainty of intuition that the continuous development of art is bound up with the duplexity of the apollonian and the dionysian in like manner as procreation is dependent on the duality of the sexes 
involving perpetual conflicts with only periodically intervening reconciliations these names we borrow from the greeks who disclosed to the intelligent observer the profound mysteries of their view of art not indeed in concepts but in the impressively clear figures of their world of deities it is in connection with apollo and dionysus the two art deities of the greeks that we learn that there existed in the grecian world a wide antithesis in origin and aims between the art of the shaper the apollonian and the non-plastic art of music that of dionysus both these so heterogeneous tendencies run parallel to each other for the most part openly at variance and continually inciting each other to new and more powerful births to perpetuate in them the strife of this antithesis which is but seemingly bridged over by their mutual term art till at last by a metaphysical miracle of the hellenic will they appear paired with each other and through this pairing eventually generate the equally dionysian and apollonian artwork of attic tragedy in order to bring these two tendencies within closer range let us conceive them first of all as the separate art worlds of dreamland and drunkenness between which physiological phenomena a contrast may be observed analogous to that existing between the apollonian and the dionysian in dreams according to the conception of lucretius the glorious divine figures first appeared to the souls of men in dreams the great shaper beheld the charming corporeal structure of superhuman beings and the hellenic poet if consulted on the mysteries of poetic inspiration would likewise have suggested dreams and would have offered an explanation resembling that of hans sachs in the meister singers mein frunde das grad ist dichter's werk das er sein traumen daut und merk glaub mir des menschen warster van wird him im trauma auf gothen all die kunst und poeterei ist nix aus war traum the beauteous appearance of the dream-worlds in the production of which every man is a perfect artist is the presupposition of all plastic art and in fact as we shall see of an important half of poetry also we take delight in the immediate apprehension of form all forms speak to us there is nothing indifferent nothing superfluous but together with the highest life of this dream reality we also have glimmering through it the sensation of its appearance such at least is my experience as to the frequency i normality of which i could adduce many proofs as also the sayings of the poets indeed the man of philosophic turn has a foreboding that underneath this reality in which we live and have our being another and altogether different reality lies concealed and that therefore it is also an appearance and schopenhauer actually designates the gift of occasionally regarding men 
and things as mere phantoms and dream pictures as the criterion of philosophical ability accordingly the man susceptible to art stands in the same relation to the reality of dreams as the philosopher to the reality of existence he is a close and willing observer for from these pictures he reads the meaning of life and by these processes he trains himself for life and it is perhaps not only the agreeable and friendly pictures that he realizes in himself with such perfect understanding the earnest the trouble the dreary the gloomy the sudden checks the tricks of fortune the uneasy presentiments in short the whole divine comedy of life and the inferno also pass before him not merely like pictures on the wall for he too lives and suffers in these scenes and yet not without that fleeting sensation of appearance and perhaps many a one will like myself recollect having sometimes called out cheeringly and not without success amid the dangers and terrors of dream life it is a dream i will dream on i have likewise been told of persons capable of continuing the causality of one and the same dream for three and even more successive nights all of which facts clearly testify that our innermost being the common substratum of all of us experiences our dreams with deep joy and cheerful acquiescence this cheerful acquiescence in the dream experience has likewise been embodied by the greeks in their apollo for apollo as the god of all shaping energies is also the soothsaying god he who as the etymology of the name indicates is the shining one the deity of light also rules over the fair appearance of the inner world of fantasies the higher truth the perfection of these states in contrast to the only partially intelligible everyday world i the deep consciousness of nature healing and helping in sleep and dream is at the same time the symbolical analogue of the faculty of soothsaying and in general of the arts through which life is made possible and worth living but also that delicate line which the dream picture must not overstep lest it act pathologically in which case appearance being reality pure and simple would impose upon us must not be wanting in the picture of apollo that measured limitation that freedom from the wilder emotions that philosophical calmness of the sculptor god his eye must be sun-like according to his origin even when it is angry and looks displeased the sacredness of his beauteous appearance is still there and so we might apply to apollo in an eccentric sense what schopenhauer says of the man wrapped in the veil of maya welt aus villa und verstellung one page four sixteen just as in a stormy sea unbounded in every direction rising and falling with howling mountainous waves a sailor sits in a boat and trusts in his frail bark so in the midst of a world of sorrows the individual sits quietly supported by and trusting in his principium individuationis indeed we might say of apollo that in him the unshaken faith in this principium and the quiet sitting of the man wrapped therein have received their sublimest expression and we might even designate apollo 
as the glorious divine image of the principium ended with juationis from out of the gestures and looks of which all the joy and wisdom of appearance together with its beauty speak to us in the same work schopenhauer has described to us the stupendous awe which seizes upon man when of a sudden he is at a loss to account for the cognitive forms of a phenomenon in that the principle of reason in some one of its manifestations seems to admit of an exception add to this awe the blissful ecstasy which rises from the innermost depths of man eye of nature at this same collapse of the principium in the wid duationis and we shall gain an insight into the being of the dionysian which is brought within closest ken perhaps by the analogy of drunkenness it is either under the influence of the narcotic draught of which the hymns of all primitive men and peoples tell us or by the powerful approach of spring penetrating all nature with joy that those dionysian emotions awake in the augmentation of which the subjective vanishes to complete self-forgetfulness so also in the german middle ages singing and dancing crowds ever increasing in number were borne from place to place under this same dionysian power in these st john's and st vitus's dancers we again perceive the bacchi courses of the greeks with their previous history in asia minor as far back as babylon and the orgiastic Sasia. there are some who from lack of experience or obtuseness will turn away from such phenomena as folk diseases with a smile of contempt or pity prompted by the consciousness of their own health of course the poor wretches do not divine what a cadaverous looking and ghastly aspect this very health of theirs presents when the glowing life of the dionysian revellers rushes past them under the charm of the dionysian not only is the covenant between man and man again established but also a strange hostile or subjugated nature again celebrates her reconciliation with her lost son man of her own accord earth proffers her gifts and peacefully the beasts of prey approach from the desert and the rocks the chariot of dionysus is bedecked with flowers and garlands panthers and tigers pass beneath his yoke change beethoven's jubilee song into a painting and if your imagination be equal to the occasion when the awestruck millions sink into the dust you will then be able to approach the dionysian now as the slave a free man now all the stubborn hostile barriers which necessity caprice or shameless fashion has set up between man and man are broken down now at the evangel of cosmic harmony each one feels himself not only united reconciled blended with his neighbour but as one with him as if the veil of maya has been torn and were now merely fluttering in tatters before the mysterious primordial unity in song and in dance man exhibits himself as a member of a higher community he has forgotten how to walk and speak and is on the point of taking a dancing flight into the air his gestures bespeak enchantment even as the animals now talk and as the earth yields milk and honey so also something supernatural sounds forth from him he feels himself a god he himself now walks about enchanted and elated even as the gods whom he saw walking about in his dreams man is no longer an artist he has become a work of art 
the artistic power of all nature here reveals itself in the tremors of drunkenness to the highest gratification of the primordial unity the noblest clay the costliest marble namely man is here kneaded and cut and the chisel strokes of the dionysian world artist are accompanied with the cry of the eleusinian mysteries er sturz nider melonen honest du den chauffeur belt my friend just this is poet's task his dreams to read and to unmask trust me illusion's truths thrice sealed in dream to man will be revealed all verse craft and poetization is but sooth dream interpretation compare world and will as idea line four fifty five following translated by haldane and kemp to bow in the dust o millions thy maker mortal dust divine compare schiller's hymn to joy and beethoven ninth symphony end of chapter one